All right, I hope you'll take your Bibles and open to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. As you turn there, there are a few things that I always like to do before I go on a long road trip. First, of course, you got to make sure the car's ready. So, oil's been changed, tires are good. Second, I want to know my route. Now, I know some of you, you're going to punch it in your phone, you're going to put the phone on the dash, and whatever it tells you to do, you're going to do it. I use GPS also, but I want to, I want to have an idea of what it's going to say to me, right? So I'm going to get a real map or, you know, computer, of course, not, not crazy, but I'm going to look at a real map and kind of see what's going on, where we're headed. Third, something else that must be done before a long road trip, after the car's been checked and the map's been checked, Got to make a playlist, right? I want to have some songs and albums ready to go. We don't want to be thinking about this on the fly. This should be planned ahead. I've done this for a long time. There was a day when I would organize playlists on the computer and then burn them on CDs. Going and coming, CDs, burnt, ready. Somebody tell me I'm not the only one who's done this. It got easier because we had iPods, well, slightly easier. Those iPads had like this much storage. So then you had to be really selective. Now we have the beauty of Spotify playlist, and the selection is endless, and it's easy to set up, and you're ready to go. The point is, playlists are good. Point number one, playlists are good. It's good to have certain songs that fit the trip. If you're going to Tennessee, pick some songs about Tennessee, right? Throw a little Willie Nelson on the road again. Maybe you have certain albums, certain songs that you like, or maybe you don't use the radio. Maybe you're one of those families that sings together. And you have those songs that you're always going to sing together in the car. Well, this practice of having certain songs set aside for certain trips, the tradition of singing while you travel, this is something that started long before car stereos and interstates. In the time of the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, between the giving of the law and the time of Christ, for generations there was this practice, this routine, three times a year, faithful Jews would travel to Jerusalem for the three annual feasts. In the spring, the Feast of Passover. In the summer, the Feast of Pentecost. And in the fall, the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. So three times a year, there would be people traveling from all over, all going up to Jerusalem. That's an important word. The Bible uses that word. They're going up. Why? Well, because Jerusalem's set up on a hill. So even though it was in the southern part of the country, and we would say you're going down to Jerusalem, they went down, but then they went up. Three times a year, it was customary for them to go, and as they went, it became tradition for them to sing certain songs on the trip. Their songs are what we call psalms. They would sing psalms as they traveled, and over time, there were 15 psalms in particular that became known as these traditional travel songs, songs that they sang as they went to Jerusalem. If you have your Bible open and you look at the top of, the, of that Psalm 121, you probably have a heading there that says, A Song of Ascents. If you're reading a King James, I think it says, 
a song of degrees. This idea of going up. It's a label that you'll find on 15 psalms. All the psalms from 120 to 134 are all categorized this way. These are all songs of ascent. They're the songs that the people of God would sing as they were ascending into the hills up to Jerusalem. And because they became used this way, when the Bible was put together and the psalms were put in the order that we know them, these songs were all grouped together. They weren't together until they got sang. They, were, they are together because they were sung. They all kind of got put together in this section. The songs of ascents. Now they all share this label, but they don't all have exactly the same theme. Maybe this afternoon you would go, you could do this, and read through these songs. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. And if you do that, what you'll find is that there are different kinds of songs. There are invitations to worship, which makes sense because they're going to Jerusalem for the feast. So let's sing these calls to worship. Some of them about, are about having hearts prepared for worship. There are some, some songs of repentance. Those are in the minor key, I think. Musician joke. Some of them are about the joy of going to the city of God. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Then there were some of the psalms, some of these songs of ascent that are actually songs about the trip itself. And Psalm 121 is one of those psalms. It was written about this journey to Jerusalem. It's a psalm about the customary trip. And in particular, it's a song about the protection of God for the person who is traveling. Now, like I said, when I get ready for a trip, I check car maintenance, directions, and playlists. But for people traveling to Jerusalem, most of them on foot, they had other concerns like, Will I be safe? Safe from the weather? Safe from robbers? Safe from those who would take advantage of travelers? This trip, it could be dangerous. They had to wonder, will I make it there without injury or harm? And so we have this psalm, which is actually a song of encouragement. It's a reminder to the travelers that God is the protector of his people. It's a reminder to pilgrims on a journey that even if they're in the middle of nowhere, they aren't alone. It's a song that's meant to encourage the people that God is with them wherever they go. And it makes sense that they would sing this song. It, there's, there's no question why this song made it into the songbook within the songbook. But what I want us to consider this morning is that it's also a good song for us. The Bible uses this imagery. The Bible calls us people on a way to a city, travelers. We are people on our way to a city. And as we go, I think we know this to be true. It's easy to be concerned about the trip. We don't always know what's over the next hill. We don't know what's around the next bend. And in times of uncertainty, we can doubt the goodness of God, can't we? We forget that our God is with us and he is mindful of us. And so I think this is a good song for us, fellow travelers. 
It's a reminder of the presence of God and his protection, a song of dependence and confidence, a reminder that God is our help and our protector. So Psalm 121, I hope you'll follow along in your copy of the scriptures. Hear the word of God. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. I mentioned to you last week when we were in Psalm 116, I mentioned that I'm convinced that the Psalms are meant to be read slowly. Remember, this is poetry. Poetry is power-packed. In poetry, one line can tell a whole story. And I think the first two lines of this psalm tell a story. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? These two lines should transport us back and put us in the shoes of a pilgrim heading towards Jerusalem. As he walks, he's looking ahead. He's at the bottom. He's looking up. He sees the hills, and he knows this. I'm not strong enough for this journey on my own. I'm going, but I don't know that I can do it alone. Where's my help? Now, there's two different ways that this vision of the hills has been interpreted, and they both get us to the same place, but I had heard both, and so maybe you have too, and so I want to acknowledge both of them. One way of reading this is that he looks to the hills, and when he sees the hills, he sees danger. Because I'm going into places that I can't see. The roads weren't always smooth. It was known for robbers and those who would take advantage of travelers. And so this guy, this pilgrim, could be looking at the hills and saying, I lift my eyes to the hills. <laughs> Danger's out there. Where's my help? Or, others have read it this way. The pilgrim's looking at these hills, and he knows in those hills is the city of God. So I look to the hills, and I know there's help there, Right? presence of God is there. I look to the hills and the rhetoric question, where does my help come from? It's over there. We see this idea of Jerusalem as the city of God. Think of Psalm 48.1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. So he could be looking at the hills and saying, that's my source of help. I think there's actually room for both of these. 
that a pilgrim would look at the hills and know the dangers and think, I need help. But the same pilgrim could look at the same hills and say, but there's help there. I hope you can put yourself in the shoes of the pilgrim as he looks down the road. You've probably asked the same question as you looked at the road ahead of you. Where's my help? It's a common question. In fact, it's a question I think we ask all the time. Even if we don't ask it out loud, I think it's always just kind of living there underneath the surface. Because life's hard and it's complicated and there's twists and turns. There are viruses and wars and temptations and fears and losses and failures. And the question, at least for me, and I would suspect for you, is always hanging there. Do I have sufficient help? Is there help for me in this situation? Because I've never been in a season quite like this one before. Is there sufficient help? The psalmist asks the question and then he answers his own question. Verse 2. I think there's a pause, right? Read slowly. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help is from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist is sure of this. He needs help. He knows he can't do it by himself. But he also knows that he's not alone, that there's someone who can help. And the someone, his helper that he names is the Lord. And if you're a person who writes in your Bible, you might go and underline that word Lord and recognize you see it five more times in this short psalm. And you may also notice that in your copy of the scriptures, it's all capitalized, L-O-R-D, which is the translator's way of telling us this is the formal or the proper name of God. This represents the Hebrew word Yahweh. So in this psalm, he's not talking about God. Oh, that's a fine way to address our father. But he calls him by his name, Yahweh. My help comes from Yahweh. He's very specific about who he's trusting. And I said this last week, and I think it's worth saying again. Friends, it's not enough to have this fuzzy, ambiguous faith in a generic God. It's not enough to believe that there's a higher power who's looking out for us. No, the Bible is a book about a real and personal God who has made himself known his name is Yahweh. He has spoken. He has revealed himself. He has showed himself in history. You can know him. And yet it's not because you deserve to be able to know him. No. The Lord, our helper, went to great lengths to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him. This is the God, a specific personal God, who sent a person, part of himself. He sent his son to come and to live among us, to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death so that all who trust in him can be reconciled to him. Something most of us know, I think. But it's important for you to remember, especially when we're in the Old Testament, when we're in the Psalms in particular, as we talk about the way God helps his people and guards his people and protects his people, it's important for you to know that not everyone is counted among those who are protected. 
but it's for those who have been reconciled to God and who are in right relationship with him. So this psalm is not a universal psalm. It's a psalm for the people of God who have been reconciled to God through Christ. If you're in Christ, friends, you can say, the Lord is my help. The Lord is with me. Yahweh has hold of me and he will never let me go. Who is this God? Well, the the psalmist says one thing about him here. He says he's the maker of heaven and earth. So think about this traveler. He's looking at the hills. He's about to go on this journey with all the unknowns ahead of him. He says, I know the one who made the hills. I know the one who made every rock and every tree. I know the one who made every person I'll meet along the way. He's my help. And this is really the point of the whole psalm. We don't have to fear what's ahead of us because we know and are known by the God who's over all. The God who brought light out of darkness, the God of Genesis 1, creator God, is the same one who is with you today and who has said he will not let you go. Now, for some of you, this is basic entry-level theology. But I'll be honest with you. There are days when I have to stop and sit down and remind myself that this is true. Otherwise, I don't stand a chance of making it through the day. And this isn't, friends, this isn't hyperbole. I have to sit down and remind myself that I am in the hands of the one who holds the stars. And even though my situation seems way too big, the conversation I'm about to have is too big for me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I would guess I'm not the only one who struggles with feelings of weakness. I don't think I'm the only one here that gets overwhelmed like six times a week. Or who wonders and worries about what's around the next bend. Maybe you need this reminder as much as I do. The Lord is your helper. He's over all things, knows all things. He is on our side. This afternoon, when you sit down to read through the Songs of Ascent, you'll come to Psalm 124, which is fantastic. And slow down a little bit more on that one, okay? I'll I'll give you part of it. He says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when the people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, didn't stand a chance. And then the psalm ends this way. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The New Testament says it this way. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? I love this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is true for us. And the traveler of Psalm 121 knew this was true for him. God is the helper and protector of his people, come what may. Something I think most of us know to be true, but we need the reminder. Doesn't it help to have someone remind you of things like this, basic theology that you know? But it sounds, I'm guilty of this, it sounds cliche in my head, but when someone I trust says it, it resonates. I'm thankful to have faithful friends who remind me on a regular basis of who God is and why he can be trusted. Because sometimes I look at my situation and I need a reminder. I'm thankful for friends who act like the writer of the psalm. And I bring this up because of something that happens here in the psalm. Did you notice the change of voice from, psalm, from verse 2 to verse 3? In verse 2, the psalmist is speaking to himself. But then in verse 3, the voice changes. Now, speaking to someone else. And this, there's different ways we can explain this. It's a literary device, to be sure. Maybe the psalmist is having an inner dialogue. There's psalms like Psalm 42 where the psalmist will say, And I said to myself. He doesn't say that here. There's just this transition. Here's the way I've enjoyed thinking about it this week, and I'm not the first, and maybe this would be helpful to you. We could think of it as a call and response, or as the psalmist having a friend who's traveling with him. And there's this conversation. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then this good friend takes that, and expounds on it. He knows the situation. He knows the fears. And he goes on to give these reminders of why God can be trusted. We need friends like that, don't we? Friends who will tell us what is true and reassure us of the one whom we can trust. That's the way I read the psalm. This good friend giving reminders of encouragement. And the rest of the psalm can be broken up into three parts, two verses each. What we see in verses 3 and 4 is this good friend telling the traveler, God can be trusted. He is always awake and always aware. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So we think about this man making his way to Jerusalem. And they weren't walking on streets or sidewalks. These were trails or dirt roads at best. There would always be the danger of tripping on a rock or stepping in a hole. The road's not always smooth, but this good friend says, he won't let your foot be moved, or he won't let your foot slip. He'll keep you from falling. He'll guard your steps. Now, let me just say this, and I probably won't circle back to it, but hear this at least once. Throughout this psalm, we have these very definitive statements. He will not, or he will. 
And what this does not imply is that life is going to be a smooth path without stumbles. Your experience proves this true, I think. We can't take the psalm to say, because God is my help, I will never stumble or trip. But he makes the point to remind us of the care of God. You will never fall forever. You will never slip completely. The point is that we have a God who is with us, who's going to make sure that we make it to the end of the journey. And here's something we can count on. He's always aware. He's always awake. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, I told you earlier, five times we see the name of God, Yahweh. There's another word that's mentioned over and over. The word keep in the ESV is used six times in eight verses. So if you write in your Bible, here's something else to underline. Verse 3, he who keeps you. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you. Verse 7 again, he will keep your life. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Here's just a small note for how you read the Bible. These repetitive words tell us something. Five times we see the name Yahweh, Lord. Six times we see the word keep. What's the big idea of this psalm? The Lord keeps his people. He protects us. He guards us. He doesn't let us go. So you see the title of the sermon, The Protector of Pilgrims. And his protection, his keeping can be trusted. Why? Because he's always there. He's always awake. He's always aware. I love that imagery of a God who never sleeps. We have to sleep. We slept an hour less last night, and I feel it. If you are blessed to sleep eight hours a night, you will sleep a third of your life. Even when you're awake, you're not always attentive. Point in case, right? No. But for God, he is always awake, and he's always aware. Your God will never sleep. He will never slumber. His eye is always on you. You remember the story of Elijah? This is 1 Kings 18. After you finish the song of Ascent this afternoon, go and read 1 Kings chapter 18. You got Elijah, and he's frustrated with the people because they've begun following false gods. And so to prove the power of God and the realness of God, for that matter, he challenges the prophets of the false god Baal to prove the existence of their God. So there's an altar, and I won't tell the whole story because you're going to read it this afternoon. There's this whole thing, and he tells the prophets of Baal to call down fire, and so they start their prayers, their incantations. Nothing happens. So Elijah says to them, verse 27, at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he's a God. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or maybe he's on a journey, or he's asleep and must be awakened. This was actually a belief of theirs that 
Sometimes Baal fell asleep. But if we pray loud enough, we'll get his attention. Maybe there's been times when you felt like God was silent. I can assure you, he's always there. He's always aware. And you're never outside of his care. He's never asleep. He doesn't nap. He's always active, always watching, always working all things for your good and for his glory. The first thing this good friend tells his fellow traveler is that God can be trusted because he's always awake and he's always attentive. And then he says this, nothing will harm you by day or by night. The Lord is your keeper, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Here's that word again, keeper. Yahweh is your protector. As we think about a person traveling on foot to Jerusalem, remember they're out in the elements. During the day, there's the heat of the sun. During the night, the possibility of cold. But here's the reminder. Day and night, in all kinds of weather, when the sun's beating down, God will be your shade. God will protect you in the heat of the day. He will protect you through the night. He's the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the weather. He will be able to keep you come whatever kind of storm. There's two things that we keep hearing over and over. God is always present, and God is always protecting. And my guess is, if you're honest, you'll admit that there are times when it doesn't feel like he's present. There are probably times when you doubt his protection. Because you feel the sun, and it doesn't seem like he's a very good shade right now. Can I just say a few things to you, friend to friend? One, if you're having those thoughts, your experience is not unique. You know, there's a whole segment of the Psalms called Psalms of Lament. How long? Oh, Lord. How long? The Bible doesn't shy away from admitting the feeling that God is absent. But we must read the whole Bible. And we must be convinced that the Bible is true. So if you feel like God isn't present, or if you feel like he is asleep, keep reading. Read, memorize, sing songs like Psalm 121. And know that these things are true despite our feelings. We must fight to remember. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Read it, sing it, pray it, and tell it to your friends. Make sure you have friends who will remind you of these things. And maybe you have good friends, but they've not reminded you of these things. Ask them to. One way we're going to try to do this, quick commercial, tonight at 5 o'clock, guys, we're going to get together, and we're going to start practicing, reminding each other that these things are true. The main reason for these groups is that we can know each other well enough to know what the fear in the hills is and we can connect the fear to the truth. We need friends who will say to us, the Lord is your keeper. You can trust him. You can trust him today. You can trust him tomorrow. 
You can trust him no matter what happens. Which leads to the final thing this good friend says to his fellow traveler. You can trust the Lord's protection in all of life, now and always. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Between verses 2 and 3, we had a change of voice. Between verses 6 and 7, there's a change of tense. See, most of the psalm is in the present tense. And then we get a, a shift to the future tense. So today he will keep your feet from stumbling. Today he will be your shade from the sun. But the promises aren't for today only. The promises are for every day, now to eternity. And the promises aren't limited to some specific kinds of dangers. No, the Lord will keep you from all evil. In fact, let's just say, the Lord will keep your life. Verse 7. And the promises aren't limited to this one particular trip to Jerusalem. No, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in, there and back. This time and every time, now and forever. So add this to the playlist for every trip. Aren't you glad that the promises of God don't expire? There's not any kind of trouble that he cannot rescue us from. It's what we read and confessed together earlier from Romans 8. I want to encourage you to believe this. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knew it. The pilgrim of Psalm 121 and his friend knew it. God can be trusted no matter what comes. I will say it one more time. The promise isn't that the road will always be straight and easy. The Bible is full of examples of difficult journeys. The psalmist looked to the hills and thought, I need help. The point isn't that the journey of faith will be easy, but the promise is that God will keep his people. He who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep your life from all evil. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Sounds similar to me. I kept making this connection in my head this week in this portion, the, the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod which is used to fight the enemy, and your staff, which is used to pull me in, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The 23rd Psalm and Psalm 121 talk about how God keeps and protects his people in the face of trouble now and always. I appreciated one sentence I read this week from a commentator, enough to share it with you. It's about this last part of verse 8. He says, It would be hard to decide which half of it is more encouraging. 
the fact that it starts now or that it runs on. Not to the end of time, but without end. It's encouraging, right, that it's good for today. <laughs> it doesn't start later. It starts now. That's good news, but more good news, it never stops. The journey of faith and the course of life can be long and winding, but this is our hope. God will keep us, and his keeping us doesn't end with death. His keeping us extends to eternity for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I never want to read or preach a psalm like this without making this distinction. You don't deserve this kindness from God. And you're only a recipient of it based on your faith in the work of Christ. So if you're here this morning and you've never repented of your sins and you've never trusted in the finished work of Christ, friends, I, I must tell you, you cannot claim God as your keeper. For you, God is a judge. Oh, but he invites you to come to confess that you've lived in opposition to him. To believe that Jesus died to take your punishment. And if you repent and believed, the Bible says you become a child of God and an heir of the promises. Psalm 121 is part of what's been accomplished for us through Jesus. When we trust in Christ, we're brought into the care and protection of God. He guards us from evil today. He guards us from evil all of our days. He guards us from evil always and forevermore. It should give us courage for the journey. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We started this morning talking about songs. I told you Psalm 121 is one of 15 songs that travelers would sing as they made their trip to Jerusalem. And as we finish this morning, I just want, to, I want you to consider this. That as they walked, they weren't carrying hymnals. No, these are songs that they knew by heart. Songs they grew up singing and had memorized. And it's by way of reminder of how important it is that we have these truths not only in our Bibles, but in our hearts and minds. You know, every time I go to the Psalms, and this is just, this has increased as I've gotten older, I think, because it used to frustrate me. I'm so thankful that huge portions of the Bible are poetry, like this. How beautiful and creative God was in the way he gave us his word. He didn't just give us a list of promises, but he presented them to us in this particular way. Because it's one thing to say, God will help me. That's good. But something else to say, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And what I want you to consider is that God has been kind, not only in the promises he's made, not only in his keeping of the promises, but in the way he gave us the promises, because they can get in deep the way songs do. It's one thing to remember, God will protect me. It's another thing to say to your soul, he will not let your foot be moved. 
He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Oh, he's been kind to us, not only in the promises and in his keeping of the promises, but in the fact that he gave us promises that we can hold to and remember and sing. So I just want to encourage you this morning not to rush past the way God has given us the promises. Don't just take the truth, but take the way he's given you the truth and allow that to become part of you. Memorize Psalms like Psalm 121. Or go back to last week, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. These are the kinds of truths we need to have with us. And can I be a little bold and say, I need you to memorize these because I need you to be ready to remind me of them and to remind one another. Friend, would you do more than saying you can trust him? Would you say, look to the hills. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day or the moon by night. These are things we should commit to memory. I shared with you one song on the email that you got this morning. Uh, that someone took Psalm 121 and put it to music. And if you follow that artist, all of his, many of his songs are psalms just directly sung. It's a great way just to get these things in you. There's lots of, we have a lot of really good blessings, don't we? Ways that we can take in God's word and his promises. <laughs> Maybe today, after you've read the Song of Ascents and 1 Kings 18 and memorized Psalm 121, as you're finishing up, one more thing I would encourage you with, and I'm just trying to give you ideas of how to use the promises of God. Consider that even if you can't memorize it today, you can pray it. Pray this psalm for your friends. Pray this psalm for your spouse. Pray this psalm for your parents or parents, pray this for your kids. What, what do I mean? Quick example. As I pray for my sons, Lord, I pray that you would keep them from all evil that you will keep their lives, that you will keep their going out and their coming in from this time forth forevermore. Will you save and keep my kids? And you could do this with any part of that psalm or any one of the psalms. It's a different way to end the sermon, but I've just been reminded this week of how good God has been in the way he's given his promises. And I just want to encourage you to take them and use them. I want to encourage you to take his word and make it part of your trip. The people of God sang while they traveled. 
And we should find ways to do the same thing. Find ways to meditate and dwell on God's word. May the promises of God be the repeated songs of our heart. And in those moments when fear and anxiety and worry well up, you can be still and know my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you join me in prayer? God, this morning I want to pray for my friends, your church. Because there are some in this room right now who are looking at the hills in front of them and they wonder, where is my help? God, I pray that you would give them the faith this morning to confess, to believe. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you give them confidence that you will not let their foot be moved? You are always awake. You are always aware. You are our keeper. You are our shade at our right hand. Help us believe the sun will not strike us by day nor the moon by night. Lord, will you keep us from all evil? Keep our lives. Would you keep our going out and our coming in? from this time forth and forevermore. Help us to believe these things. Thank you that you are the keeper of these promises. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're not done quite yet. I want you to have a chance to sing of the promises of God. So why don't you stand? Let's confess.